This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Charlie O'Brien, Senior Vice President with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Robo AgriFinance, offering a comprehensive portfolio of service that give producers and agribusiness the right products to prepare for and take advantage of market opportunities. For more information, contact Robo AgriFinance at 855-722-7766 or visit them online at RoboAg.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Charlie O'Brien from AEM next. As a leading financial services provider in the United States, Robo AgriFinance adds value using industry expertise, client-focused solutions, and by creating long-term business relationships. Robo AgriFinance offers a comprehensive portfolio of services that gives producers and agribusinesses the right products to prepare for and to take advantage of market opportunities. This comprehensive suite of services includes loans, insurance, middle market, input financing, and effective risk management products. Robo AgriFinance is a division of Rabobank, the premier bank of the global agriculture industry and one of the world's largest and safest banks. For more information, contact Robo AgriFinance at 855-722-7766 or visit them online at RoboAg.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The Association of Equipment Manufacturers represents construction, forestry, mining, utility, and agriculture equipment producers around the globe. AEM represents over 850 different companies and 200 product lines. AEM Senior Vice President Charlie O'Brien says innovation and global food demand promise growth for his industry, but also says the downturn in crop prices, U.S. tax policy, environmental regulations, and a shaky global economy are near-term obstacles to be dealt with. I think there's a lot of um, volatility going on from a global perspective, and you know certainly in the um, um, in the, in the West, we see a you know, fair amount of issues going on. So I think that as we look at the export numbers that we've seen in, in historically, it, it, uh, when we went through the recession, we saw a great deal of, of downturn based on what uh, the amount of equipment that we could export. And, and then that was coming back, and now we see some more volatility and just uh, unrest going on worldwide. So as a result of that, there's not as um, uh, much export as there was at one point in time. And, you know, it's, it's really depends on the perception of the industry as a whole globally and what what people are seeing in their um, perception of how well things are going in their regions of the world. So it's a little bit of a, a downturn from a global perspective as we see equipment equipment markets coming down a little bit. Whether by population or whether by growth of middle class, there seems to be a boon in demand for agriculture products. And, and what role or how is that affecting the equipment manufacturers of the world? Certainly a good thing working in agriculture is that you know, we are here to, you know, help plant and harvest the food. So I think that what we see is the demand continues to go up and certainly the, the 2050, 9 billion by 2050 continues to be quoted. And I think that as we look to offer equipment and equipment solutions to make sure that we are tr- keeping up with the demand, the food demand that we have, there, it just continues to heighten the importance overall of the solution that we provide to the uh, agricultural industry and what, what we can do and providing our part to to reach the uh, food demands that we have. So I think that although there's cycles within the industry and we'll see some ups and downs and some volatility based on 
where the world is and where we are here in North America, we still see, you know, overall from a long-term perspective, a very positive trend. And it's just because of what we have to do and what, what we do, which is basically uh, plant and harvest food. Where are the growth areas for equipment sales? Well, I think that um, as we look at uh, different sections of the world, I think certainly Brazil has has historically been a, a very good uh, growth area. Um, we're also seeing, um, you know, Turkey has has very good growth right now. Denmark, Guatemala, New Zealand are uh, high growth areas that we see um, with the highest percent increases overall. Um, as far as where we ship a lot of equipment, um, we we have um, Canada obviously as a very good trade partner of ours, Mexico, Australia, Brazil. Um, so we're shipping a lot of equipment um, in those areas, ranging from you know three billion to Canada over the last four quarters to if we look at Brazil, four hundred fifty-six million in um, equipment sales in those regions. So those are those are big markets. China is also big with three hundred and fifty-two um, million dollars that we're shipping there over the last four quarters. So we've got some very good trading trading partners um, of the total about nine and a half billion that we've exported over the last over the last. 12 months. I would have to say that if we took a scope of the past three to five years, equipment sales in the United States have been relatively strong, and and certainly we'd have to believe that higher commodity prices have uh, have helped that to happen. Yeah, they really have, and and as we've seen the commodity prices going up. You know, you know, corn approaching eight dollars, being at eight dollars, and soybeans, you know, being up from ten, ten and a half. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly made a big difference in what we've seen, and and if you look at from macro. Economics perspective, you see farmers that have, you know, that have, you know, pretty good net incomes, and you know, as a result of that, they've they've been able to trade and uh, upgrade their their fleet, if you will, on their farms, and also um, they've been able to pay down debt. So you see balance sheets that are in very good shape. So as a result of, you know, basically the income that's coming in, and I think that we've we've um, also had some good uh, incentives that have been out in the marketplace. You know, Section 179 certainly has played a factor over the last several years in equipment sales. So I think we've had a lot of good momentum taking place within the marketplace that has allowed us to sell a fair amount of equipment. We've seen a paradigm shift in those commodity prices throughout 2014. How have your companies, uh, what's, what has their performance been over the past several months? Um, as we look at 2014, what we saw is, you know, the first part of 2014 was actually, you know, slightly down from what we, uh, and we knew it was going to be slightly down from 2013 activity. Then um, about um, halfway through the year, we saw a pretty dramatic decline in terms of what the uh, retail sales were doing. So it was, it was a, a much steeper decline that we had than what we had anticipated. So obviously that was driven by a couple of things. You mentioned the commodity prices and certainly the commodity prices and, and what's transpired with you know, corn and soybean prices coming down. Uh, that has had an impact. And then the uncertainty around Section 179 uh, also had an impact with people, you know, not knowing what was going to go on with that um, tax implication. So, so we, you know, because of those uncertainties, because of commodity prices, that made a difference in those, you know, corn and soybean and row crop uh, equipment. On the other hand, because our members also make up those that are serving the uh, livestock area and uh, beef and dairy. 
um, they have had just the opposite effect. So they're having a pretty good year overall, and, and people that are selling equipment, uh, whether it's self-propelled harvesters or balers or rakes or those that are in the dairy equipment or um, um, dairy equipment, for that matter, they're seeing a pretty good year. And that's, uh, again, as a result of the lower commodity prices, which are, which are obviously input cost into those markets. It is clear that genetic enhancement has drawn a lot of headlines of what is new in technology for especially U.S. agriculture, uh, but you've also seen a lot of investment coming from research into farm machines as well. What role has technology played in the sales, and do you anticipate that research is going to bring new machines that will make it so that producers can't afford not to buy new machines? I think that's right, Jeff. I think that what we see is, you know, the the pace of innovation is, you know, continuing to be very rapid. I think that as as we see, you know, from from the planting with variable rate planting and and the innovations that are taking place there, as well as the ability to grow, go across the field uh, fairly quickly and have less passes across the field, and then you talk about, you know, one of the biggest things that's coming down the pipe, or actually is right here already, from the big data perspective and the innovations that are taking place with with all the um, data that's coming off um, the pieces of equipment now and how that can be used to be more efficient overall and understand where where the seeds need to be, where the fertilizer needs to be, and how it, how the increases in yields can take place as a result of that. So I think that we're we're just at the beginning stages of what big data will be able to do for for farmers um, and be able to make you know really good quality decision making as a result of having the data you know at their fingertips. And we, there's a fair amount of work, quite frankly, that still needs to be done on the big data issue, and we've worked uh, around the privacy issues and some of those, but I think as far as the analytics and what the data is actually telling us and how we can we can increase our yields and be more efficient, you know, we're just we're just starting down that path now. So I think that as more and more data is available and as the equipment provides that data and there's you know, other types of data, I think, and other types of equipment uh, that will be required to provide that, um, you know, I think it will continue to be this innovation and, and sales cycle that will be shorter than what we've historically seen as a result of, you know, things like big data. Let's bring the conversation back to the U.S. and specifically into Washington. What has been the effect of U.S. tax policy on equipment manufacturers in the U.S. through 13 and especially this past year? Yeah, I think the um, the tax, you know, certainly Section 179 has been on the forefront of everybody's mind here for the years and I, for the entire year. And I, I don't think, you know, the the uncertainty provided us with, uh, you know, a good solid platform for decision-making. So there, there was a question mark whether or not 179 was, was going to be uh, be available uh, for sales in in uh, 2014 or not, and I think we saw that as the decline in the mid-year took place. You know, people not knowing what the outcome of of Section 179 was going to be, and so now we're sitting here with just a little over 12 days till the end of the year, and and now we we had Senate just pass pass that yesterday, so. I think that you know it's, it's 12 days is not a lot of you know good timing horizon. So I guess it's our I guess it's our 12 days of Christmas here. But it's you know that's just not it doesn't provide us really with the 
the certainty that that you know farmers need from their planning horizon perspective it doesn't provide us with a stable um, uh, environment from which to do our planning so i think it's it's very difficult and you know that is far reaching because the planning horizon certainly we're talking from a farmer perspective on are they going to make the purchase or not but that backs up into from a manufacturer's perspective and what that means and what their production capabilities should be or capacity should be so we've got a lot of jobs that depend on what's going on with the uh, sales of equipment so you know if you look at direct manufacturing jobs we've got 78,000 people that are working in the factories from a direct uh, perspective, and then you've got all the downstream and upstream um, jobs that are impacted by what's taking place. So you've got 117,000 downstream jobs and 181,000 upstream jobs, and so you've got 370,000 jobs that are basically reliant on what's taking place in, in part on some of the tax decisions that are made and how, may, how, how much of the equipment can be sold. So so I think, you know, it, it's... It, talks to you know how much equipment will be sold in the year the tax laws uh, talk to that but it also then we have to look at the broad picture of what's that really mean and and how many people are ultimately affected either positively or negatively in terms of what the tax code would be and obviously that's that's one variable and there's many variables in terms of sales but it certainly impacts a lot of people and I think the tax code is a, is a prime example of of something that's very important to stimulate sales within the marketplace there is talk that in the hundred four 14th Congress that the leadership in the Senate and in the House, Mr. Hatch and Mr. Ryan, may be looking at a top-to-bottom reform of tax policy. What should it be? Well, I, I think that um, whatever it will be, I think that it needs to be overall a policy that is um, something that can be counted on. I think that from from policy, we would like to see things that help stimulate small business and, and sales, uh, obviously from our perspective, equipment. And I think that... Um, it's it's been proven over time that when there's incentives from which to have small businesses um, be able to purchase equipment that they will in fact do that they'll <clears throat> they'll reinvest in themselves if you will from a business perspective from their small business perspective so I think that you know, whatever it is whether it has those types of incentives in it but I think that um, it needs to be more of a long term type. Um, policy so that people can rely on here's what the rule of engagement is here's what we understand we can plan for that whether it has the same sort of you know tax incentives that we see today um, you know that's good but I think that the reality is as long as we know what it is so we can plan for it I think that's that's you know kind of critical that we ju- we just know and then and then as everybody plans they'll make their equipment purchases and and then we'll we'll all be able to plan from a manufacturing perspective, from a dealer perspective, from a farmer perspective, all the way through. So just just don't have a policy that says in the last 20, 12 days of the year, oh, here's, here's what we're going to do and we're going to have a tax extender, but we're not going to necessarily do that for the next year. I mean, that's a pretty difficult um, thing to plan with. What are legislative or regulatory issues that you're watching for out of the 114th Congress? Well, one of the things that we're we're most interested in is uh, what goes on with RFS um, and what the ongoing debate will be with that uh, from an EPA perspective. So I think that some of the uh, what the blend levels may be overall in the future, and maybe more importantly, the methodology from what to calculate the blend will be. And again, that that has obviously a big impact on on what happens with the ethanol and how much ethanol is produced. And then uh, ultimately, that means what 
what uh, is going to how much equipment will be sold for for uh, row crop production in terms of corn production. So, so that's one of the key ones that we're watching right now. Another thing that we've been very interested in, although it may not have as big of impact on us uh, from equipment manufacturers, is what EPA is doing with the um, kind of the. The definition of waterways uh, in the United States and and who has jurisdiction over those, and I think that there's there's a potential for some overreach here by the EPA in terms of the um, definition of waterways, and we also watch you know whether or not there's any other uh, regulations that are coming through from Europe that may impact us and some of the documentation and compliance that we would need with those. I, I think one of the things that we see is a whole lot of expense associated with compliance with the regulations. Again, not necessarily um, debating what the regulations are trying to get at, but but sometimes it's the method, either the methodology or documentation or the time frames that we have to be comp- compliant with that that is difficult and as a result of that, it adds expense to the business and probably from a farmer's perspective, not as much value add to their um, what they're purchasing overall. Charlie, really appreciate you being with us uh, on this edition of Open Mic. And just simply now, I'd like to offer you the microphone and, and the thoughts that you have on behalf of your uh, association and also your members. Well, thanks, Jeff. And it's been a, a, certainly a privilege to be um, included in, in, in the open mic. I think that um, we we are continue to be excited about the marketplace as a whole. I think that um, we're seeing a, a little dip here, and we expect you know probably the dip will continue for a short period of time. But I think overall, again, we'll it's a cyclical business. We think we're in a cycle that'll be coming back out pretty quickly, uh, which is which is uh, a good thing. And I think that we're excited about the innovations that are available through equipment and when you see some of the things that are you know coming off the line these days and the the um, data that's coming off the equipment you know it's a it's a very interesting marketplace and very interesting sector to work in and I think that as as we go around and talk to some of the next generation and there's more excitement about what agriculture and agricultural equipment have to offer because it's it's uh, very different than what it used to be and I think the stereotype is changing and I think that people are finding that agriculture is a, is a great place to be so that's that's personally exciting for me so I'm I'm uh, looking forward to the next generation and what they bring to this pretty rapidly changing industry that's that's um, very high in innovations and technology and what and what will take place our thanks to Charlie O'Brien senior vice president with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers our guest this week on open mic AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Robo AgriFinance, offering a comprehensive portfolio of services that give producers and agribusiness the right products to prepare for and take advantage of market opportunities. For more information, contact Robo AgriFinance at 855-722-7766 or visit them online at RoboAg.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley. 